G'day friends, welcome, how are we? Hope everyone's having a good day. Uh, a bit of housekeeping from last episode. My sincerest apologies to Harriet Tubman and all of her descendants for saying her name very, very wrong in my Oscar Predictions podcast. I called her Harriet Tumbo. That was just plain ignorance by me and not doing well, not embedding in my brain the research I had done. That is very much my fault, and I'm very sorry for that. Um, okay, so today I'm going to tell you all why this year, 2020, is the most important year for Star Wars ever. Get excited. I'm going to talk about all sorts of stuff that we've got coming up and stuff that it's already been and gone. It'll all be very interesting. All right, all right, let's get into it. So it's been about six weeks now since The Rise of Skywalker came out, and it is pretty universally unsatisfactory. Right. A lot of people do like it. Me, probably among them. I, like, I do like it. I, don't, I definitely don't hate it. But every, a lot of people are just filled with this sort of emptiness. Just, we were not, it wasn't what we wanted or were promised. It was supposed to end the saga in the vein of Endgame or even Return of the King in this enormously epic, fantastic fashion. And it just did not. So. And, and like, that's, that on its own is fine. I mean, it's not fine. But like that, that alone is forgivable, right? They they want to make money, that's fine. And in a perfect world, Disney or you know Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm specifically would probably come out and admit that creatively they made an enormous error, right? About. It was in the middle of January, so about three weeks ago now. A script by Chris Terrio, who was the original name director for the for the for episode nine, back in back in twenty I don't know, twenty would have been twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen when they announced JJ was doing seven, Ryan Johnson was doing eight. They also announced Chris Chris Terrio Sorry, not Chris Terry. Colin Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow was doing episode nine. He did the Jurassic World movies and a few other ones. He's a pretty, he's a pretty talented guy. Uh, 
So what surfaced a few weeks ago was his original script for episode 9. The script is dated the 16th of December 2016. Or the 12th of December. It was one of those. I get the 12th and the 16th mixed up. It was dated mid-December 2016. Now that's that's a year before the last Jedi came out. It's a, it's a few weeks before Rogue One came out, and it's also a couple of weeks before Carrie Fisher died. So a lot changed after this script came out, but this was the original, like finished, well not finished, the original product that Colin Trevorrow presented to Disney and Lucasfilm. Because at this point, so in December 2016, they had just, Rogue One was about to come out, but they had just about finished filming The Last Jedi. They just about finished filming Episode 8. So Colin Trevorrow has, you know, either read the script for this or he's seen most of the movie at that point. So he knew what he was, you know, he knew what he had to work with. And so what has been, what was leaked... The actual script itself, I don't... If it was leaked, it wasn't for very long. I can't seem to find it. But what was put on the internet was a video by a YouTuber. He's a lot of other things. He's, I think he's, he's, he reads scripts. He's like an editor, that kind of thing. But this guy named Robert Meyer Burnett. And if you want to go and find him on YouTube, he's got a two-hour-long video where he breaks down what he is willing to divulge about this script that he's read. At the time he made his video, it was not confirmed as legit, but it has since been confirmed as the legit original draft. Um, so in this draft, episode 9 was called Jewel of the Fates. That was the name that they gave to the movie. It's a pretty cool title. I still don't... I, don't, I think Rise of Skywalker is a pretty lame title. In, let me dive in, in hindsight, I think the episode 9 that we got should have been called Episode 9, A Force Dyad. I thought that would have been really cool. It would have raised a lot more questions and it would have been a lot more fitting to the story that we got, but whatever. So his movie was called Star Wars Episode 9, Jewel of the Fates. Now, it sounds pretty cool. For those who don't know, Jewel of the Fates is the name of the piece of music that plays in Phantom Menace when Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi fight Darth Maul. It's the... It's, it's that one. That's called Jewel of the Fates. It's a pretty cool title. So I'm going to... We've actually got The Crawl. The Crawl is out there. So I'm just going to read that to you. The iron grip of the First Order has spread to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. Only a few scattered planets remain unoccupied. Traitorous acts are punishable by death. Determined to suffocate a growing unrest, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren has silenced all communication between neighbouring systems. Led by General Leo Organa, the Resistance has planned a secret mission to prevent their annihilation and forge a path to freedom. So that's a, that's it's a, it's a little bit short, shorter than what most of the Star Wars crawls have been, but it's pretty good. It is succinct. You know what's happening, 
and it is not as lame as the dead speak. Oh boy, it is not as lame as the dead speak. Not many things are. So, already, where I'm going to go with this is that we we know exactly how much Disney fucked up here with episode 9. Once I've gotten through the main points of this script, we're gonna you're gonna see exactly how far they came from this original draft to this end story. Obviously, first drafts of scripts and finished drafts of scripts are never the same, but the juxtaposition of the two is so insane. It makes it even more frustrating how crap. Rise of Skywalker turned out when they started off with what they started off with. So that's the crawl. Then the movie, then the, you know, the movie opens with Rose and BB-8. So the first thing, apparently Rose Tico, who no one really seemed to like in The Last Jedi, has a very big role in this movie, and apparently she was written phenomenally. Apparently she is funny, she is witty, she is charming, and she is just all around lovable in this movie. Which is really, really good to see. But I also hope Kelly Marie Tran never gets to read the script because she'll be really upset at what she was robbed of. So it starts off with Rose and BB-8. They're on this sort of shipyard moon. It's where the First Order using slaves are building all of their ships, right? So so the two of them are there, and then they're later joined by, I think, Poe and Finn, and then Ray even later on. So the whole gang is there to try and blow up this shipyard. They're, they're unsuccessful. They have to sort of fight their way out. The first big reveal we get is that Ray has a double-ended lightsaber, which she has built out of the broken half of Luke's, Luke's lightsaber and her staff. She's fused them together and made it into a double-ended lightsaber, which is very, very, very cool. It's one of the many very cool story ideas that is in this script that I really, really dig. Um... I've got all my notes in front of me and my shitty handwriting, so I'm trying to read what I've written. Oh yeah, so they have to sort of fight their way out after their their explosion attempt is thwarted by the First Order. They actually escape in a stolen Star Destroyer, which is very, very cool. And it turns out later on that the Star Destroyer is full of tanks and weaponry that, you know, if they have if they can get together enough forces they can be able to use against the First Order. So after this whole opening sequence, we cut to Coruscant, which is which is what I would have really loved to have seen in The Rise of Skywalker, just to, for us to have gone back to Coruscant, where the whole Galactic Republic was centred around this capital planet. I would have loved to have seen more stuff happening there. So we learn that Hux is now Chancellor Hux. He's ruling in... So the First Order have this kind of citadel over the top of Coruscant, and all Coruscant underneath is no longer this thriving 
Metropolis, it is like these slums because of the way the First Order are running things. There's this scene where a resistance fighter is executed with a light blade guillotine. There's this really cool concept art. I don't know if it's legit, but it's it's a very cool looking idea. And there's this meeting that he's had between Hux and some of these other generals, sort of akin to that meeting in A New Hope, where Tarkin and Vader are there with all those other generals, kind of like that. And they all want to know where Kylo Ren is. And they don't. And then the movie cuts to Mustafar. And that's where Kylo Ren is, as he is at the start of Rise of Skywalker. Colin Trevorrow actually has a writing, even though he was gotten rid of as the director in the end, he does still have a writing credit in the end product of Rise of Skywalker because there are a few little ideas that they've lifted from his script, like tiny little ideas that don't make a whole lot of like difference to the end product we got that they lifted from his script and kept. So that's why he, he got a writing credit. So we've cut to Mustafa. Kylo Ren is looking for a, a holocron. He's actually inside Vader's temple, which is which I would really like to see, given we actually, we now know that that's where he was at the start of Rise of Skywalker. He is being haunted by the force ghost of Luke. Again, something that was easily set up in the Rise of Skywalker, which we got no payoff for. When Luke leaves at the end of Rise of Skywalker, he says, I'll see you around, kid, and then they don't follow up on that at all. So I really, really, really love that this script had Luke haunting Kylo, trying to convince him to let Ben come back. He says, you know, this is not your path, blah, blah, blah. Apparently there's this line where Kylo says, well, where did your path lead you? Still just being like a little smartass or whatever. So he's in Vader's temple and he does find this Sith holocron. Now, for those who don't know, a holocron is kind of like the, the Wayfinder that we do, that he does find in The Rise of Skywalker. The, a Wayfinder has never been mentioned before in any Star Wars canon that I'm aware of, whereas holocrons are everywhere. There are Sith holocrons and Jedi holocrons, and pretty much what they do is they hold information. They might hold coordinates or they might hold, you know, ancient knowledge, something like that. This holocron that he finds has information from Palpatine. He opens it and a Palpatine hologram comes out. And it was actually a holocron that was meant to be for Vader. And the idea is that Palpatine made this recording as a contingency in the event that Luke actually did kill him at the end of Return of the Jedi. And so he gives instructions for Vader to go and meet with a Sith master by the name of Tor Valum, who Palpatine says was his teacher. Now, I don't know what that means because everyone knows that Darth Plagueis the Wise was the one who was Palpatine's master and then Palpatine killed him. So I, so maybe this Tor Valum is someone who Palpatine went to after Order, or after Order 66 for perhaps more learnings. 
Anyway, so Kylo watches this hologram and now he knows that's who he needs to go to to learn more stuff. And after the hologram finishes, the holocron actually explodes like Mission Impossible style. You know, your message will self-destruct, you know, that kind of thing. It explodes and apparently this red lightning shoots out and just like just wrecks his face. You know, he can, like it blows up in his face and he screams and he gets really, really hurt. Um, so then we cut back to Ray and the gang who have taken the Star Destroyer and gone back to the Resistance base. We get Ray training again with Luke, not with Leia. So we've got Luke as a Force Ghost training Leia and haunting Kylo at the same time which is an idea I really like. I would have loved to have seen Mark Hamill have a much bigger role in episode nine. And in this script, he does have a much bigger role. We, we, we learn that Ray's really frustrated about the fact that there can never be, that, that there has never been really balance in the force. You know, she's saying to Luke, you know, the light defeats the dark and then the dark comes back and defeats the light. And it's just a cycle that goes around and around and she's getting really cross. She doesn't like, she's sort of quite a little bit how she did in the rise of Skywalker. She's, she's questioning her path and her journey. Um, she, she's reading through some of those old Jedi texts that she took from arc two in the last Jedi and she finds, she learns that there is a beacon under the Jedi Temple on Coruscant that can send a message out to, I think it's like 50 planets, were the Jedi Temple to come under attack and need help. So they decide that's their mission now. They're going to try and activate this beacon to get, you know, help from around the galaxy to come and to defeat the First Order. We cut back to Coruscant, which is where Kylo Ren has now gone to. He's gone to see Hux. Uh, we see him get... So his face is extremely damaged, and they actually heal it with some melted Beskar, which those who have seen The Mandalorian will know is what their armour is made of, which I think is a really cool idea. So it would kind of... Because at the, at the like ever, like those who have seen it will know that at the end of Force Awakens... He gets his face cut with a lightsaber and then it gets kind of stitched back up in The Last Jedi. I imagine this would kind of look like that on a much bigger scale, but with this sort of... So he's kind of got like this metal scarring all over his face, which I think would have been a really cool look and would have made him look really sinister. So then Ray sort of has a... Ray, Ren, Kylo Ren sort of has a short argument with Hux where he pretty much says, I need to go up and do my own thing. My orders to you are to wipe out the First Order. That's what you need to do. But leave the girl to me. That's what he says. And then before he leaves Coruscant to go and meet with Tor Valum, he takes Vader's helmet and he tosses it off a balcony and shatters it. He says, your love was your downfall or something like that, which is another idea that I really, really love. 
Like, so pretty much what happens with Kylo in this script is that he does not get the redemption that he got in The Rise of Skywalker. He is the baddie through and through all the way, which I really, really love. And he, that's him maturing as the as a Dark Lord. He, he doesn't need to be, he doesn't need to try and be Vader anymore because he knows that Vader actually diverted from the dark side because he couldn't overcome his kindness and his love. He loved Padme and he loved Luke and Leia and that was, in Kylo's eyes, his weakness. So he doesn't want to repeat that. So he goes to, I forget the name of the planet, but he goes to meet with Torvalum. Now Torvalum is this ancient, apparently is 7,000 years old, a Sith master, maybe like a kind of a Sith prophet. So he trains Kylo for a bit, and apparently there is this Empire Strikes Back-esque scene. It's sort of like a vision, like a, a challenge in Kylo's mind, where he has a duel with Vader, which, again, imagine how cool that would have been. Even, even in sort of vision form, seeing Kylo fight Darth Vader. We could have seen Darth Vader moving like a complete badass like we did in Rogue One. So they have this fight, and Kylo actually loses the fight, which, you know, I don't know exactly where the script would have gone, but I imagine would have been a bit of foreshadowing Kylo not being able to defeat, you know, the light, or, you know, the light that he's battling with. I don't know. Whatever. Um, so Ray, Ray at the same time goes to the, sorry, you can all hear the paper. I don't know how to make that not be noisy, but I've got all these notes in front of me and they're on paper and paper makes noise. It rustles. Uh, so Ray goes to see a seer who is able to sort of subtract a star chart from Ray's mind that is built up from her own knowledge and her connection with Kylo. And the it produces a map which points to Mortis. Now, before I get on to what Mortis is, at the same time, so Ray, who at the moment, so I think it's Ray, Poe, and Chewie go to do this stuff, and then... Finn, Rose, I think all the droids go to Coruscant to try and activate this beacon. So Ray, Poe and Chewie are being chased by the Knights of Ren, who have a little bit of a bigger role and get to do more stuff in this script. They catch up with them and they they fight Ray here. And apparently Ray defeats them all with her double-bladed lightsaber and just her general badass skills which again, I would have really loved to have seen. So she fights off all the Knights of Ren. Um, so yeah, she, the map points to Mortis. Now Mortis, and that's also where Kylo Ren ends up going. We don't actually, like it isn't said in the, in the video by Burnett exactly how they end up there. It gets kind of vague towards the end here, which, you know, is whatever. So Mortis is explored and discussed in the Clone Wars series. There's a three-episode arc, which is one of, if not the best, in the whole show. 
Mortis is kind of this ethereal place. It's it's this sort of embodiment of the force itself. It is neither inside nor outside the known physical universe. It both is and isn't. Yada yada yada. Confusing phrases. Yada yada yada. And so, on Mortis lived, or perhaps still lived, the father, the son, and the daughter. The father is sort of meant to represent the force. The son is meant to represent the dark side, and the daughter is meant to represent the light side. Now, all three of these characters, uh, spoiler alert... I'm going to talk about what happens at the end of the Mortis arc in the Clone Wars. If you don't want to know, just go and watch it. It's only three episodes. It's on Disney+. Plus. Go find it, then come back and continue listening. All three of these characters, the father, the son, and the daughter, all die at the end of the the arc that I'm talking about. So I don't know if they could have appeared here when Rey and Ren go to Mortis. That being said... I don't really know what the rules are for beings who are the physical embodiment of the force itself. I don't know if there really are any rules, so it probably is quite plausible that they could have still been alive. Um, yeah, so I'll get to that, the two of them on Mortis in a minute. The Rose and Finn and that are able to activate the beacon in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. And over Coruscant is where we get the massive space battle between the Resistance and all the support they're able to get from the Beacon against the First Order. Which I imagine would have been pretty similar to the battle we got in Rise of Skywalker. It just would have been over this. It would have been over Coruscant, which would have looked pretty cool. I would have liked that. So, obviously, the big battle at the end, besides that big war over Coruscant, is Rey and Kylo, who is now full baddie, no redemption coming. They have a they have this big battle on Mortis. They're able to draw the Force out of Mortis and out of each other to do these extremely powerful things, which is an idea I really like. So, apparently, during the battle, as, as Rey is sort of starting to... I keep getting them confused. As Kylo Ren is starting to lose Force Ghosts, Obi-Wan, Luke, and Yoda all show up and they try to talk to him. They're trying to talk to Ben. They're trying to coax Ben out of there to stop this evil madness. But in a way, heartbreakingly, they're unsuccessful and... Ray defeats him. So that's the end of their story. And that's all that we really got in this YouTube video from Robert Meyer Bennett. There's a few, th- I gave a very brief overview. There's a lot more. Even if you just put into YouTube Colin Trevorrow leaked script, there'll be heaps of summary videos about what we know about the script. There's other ideas I left out, like, uh, like Chewie flying an X-Wing. Apparently, Chewie flew an X-Wing in this script. I think that's a pretty cool idea. Um, yeah, there's a couple other things that I have forgotten that I left out. But yeah, so that's 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 what could have been. 
That is what they started with. And what they ended with, with was a narrative dumpster fire that was uncreative and lacklustre in just about every way imaginable. Which is, is, is why 2020, they just have to nail everything. They, they need to get the Star Wars fan base back on their goods. Like, they need to get back on the good side of the Star Wars fan base. And you might be thinking, but Joel, Star Wars isn't releasing a movie this year. How are they going to make us all their friends again? Well, I'll tell you. We do have a couple. We do have a couple of things coming out this year. In just two weeks' time, we have the final season of the animated series, The Clone Wars, coming out. And then, of course, we're also obviously going to get the second season of The Mandalorian, probably in October or November. For those of you who haven't seen the Clone Wars series, <coughs> sorry, my throat is drying up so bad. I have to keep drinking water. Ugh, it's wrong. Struggle straight big time. Um, for those of you who haven't seen the Clone Wars series and think that it and think that is that because it's an animated show, it is just for children. You are sorely mistaken. Although I would consider it child friendly. And there are big chunks of it that are geared specifically towards children. There are big chunks of the show that are not. There are some really mature and dark themes that are explored in that show. And some of the absolute best Star Wars that we have gotten, period. Like, easily most of the best lightsaber battles, including a lightsaber battle between... Darth Maul, his brother Savage, and Palpatine. Palpatine, it's sort of towards... Ugh, I'm spoiling everything. Also, for those who don't know, and for those who haven't seen Solo, Darth Maul is brought back in this show as well. So Darth Maul and his brother fight Palpatine. Palpatine has two lightsabers. It's amazing. What they can do with an animated person in terms of agility and speed and exciting erratic movement compared to what a regular human is able to do is so much more awesome to look at and this show is just riddled with awesome stuff like that we get the amazing character of Ahsoka who is Anakin's apprentice, for those who don't know, during the Clone Wars. And she just be, just about becomes everyone's favourite character who watches the show. And it seems from the trailer that we got for this last season, the trailer we got a couple of weeks ago, is that this season is mainly going to centre around Ahsoka and Darth Maul, which is very exciting because they're two of the best characters in the show. It also has confirmed what a lot of people were thinking is that 
most, if not all, of the season is going to run parallel with Revenge of the Sith, which is really, really exciting. Because what we're going to get is we're going to get to see Order 66 from a lot more different perspectives. We're going to get to see Anakin really fucking some shit up that we didn't really get to see in Revenge of the Sith. We're going to get to see some Jedi surviving Order 66. In the trailer we got a couple of weeks ago, there's a half-second shot of a bunch of Jedi standing around this hologram table, some physically in the room, some not being being there by hologram, over in the right-hand side. There is a female Jedi and a young boy who is her apprentice. The young boy who is her her apprentice is Kanan Jarrus, who is one of the main characters from another Star Wars animated series, Rebels, which is set between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. So we may very well get to see exactly how he survived Order 66, which is another really exciting thing. We might get to see, like, there's there's a few shots that look a lot like the the snowy bridge scene where Keanu Mundi, who is the Jedi who's got a really long, sort of skinny phallic pencil head, when when he in Revenge of the Sith you see him executed during Order 66. And I think we're going to get the build-up to that scene. I think we're going to get the build-up to a lot of the scenes where we got to see some of the Jedi die, which is, again, super, super exciting. So that's one thing that I think they're going to nail this year. However, as I've just kind of said, a lot of people aren't really watching The Clone Wars. More people are going to start watching it because it's on Disney Plus and people who have Disney Plus are going to see it pop up and go, ooh, Star Wars show, maybe I'll give that a go. But that's not where the viewers are already at, some of them. Where the viewers are already at is The Mandalorian. Season 2 of The Mandalorian has to be even better than Season 1. Season 1 was pretty fucking fantastic. But it was a little bit slow in patches. It it just gave us a little taste, enough to leave us wanting a lot more. And it also has the most genius piece of money-making marketing brilliance in Baby Yoda. It does not matter what happens, what the trailers look like, what announcements are made about the show moving forward, whatever. People, Star Wars fans or not, are going to tune in to Disney Plus to watch the next season of The Mandalorian to see the cutest fucking thing the Earth has ever seen. To see a meme gold mine just waddle around and be cute as fuck. So... They're doing great in that department. The Mandalorian Season 2 is going to be very... I can't say whether or not it's going to be successful, but it's going to make them a lot of money. 
and it's going to, if they use it correctly, it's going to get more people back on their side. So they're the two things that have been confirmed. I can't speak for comic books or books or whatever, but those two things are what we're getting this year. We're getting the Clone Wars and we're getting the Mandalorian. They need to nail both of those seasons. I'm pretty sure they will. They need to. But what else they need to nail are announcements about what's coming forward, movie-wise specifically. They need to get people excited about something different that they can look forward to. Now, as far as I know, in 2021, we have nothing and we will have nothing except possibly season three of The Mandalorian. As far as I'm aware, nothing else can be expected out of Lucasfilm in 2021. I believe in 2021, planning for a 2022 release, they're going to be filming the Cassian Andor series and the Obi-Wan series. Cassian Andor is a character from Rogue One, for those who haven't seen it, and he's a, he's a big player in the Rebellion. What we could get, so he, well, he wasn't a character that really interested me in Rogue One, but what we could get from him and what we could get from the time period in which a show around him would be set, which would be, you know, I think, I think they said they're going to set it like six years or so before A New Hope, so right in the thick of the rebellion. There are so many cool fucking things we could get from a show about him. We could get a teenage Leia, you know, playing a big role in the rebellion. We could get some underworld stuff with perhaps Jabba the Hutt. And the other bounty hunters, we could get some Darth Maul stuff. I think he was still alive at that point. Maybe not. We could possibly get some Darth Maul stuff. We could get some Han Solo stuff, even, possibly. There is... Cassian Endor himself might not be the most cool or interesting character we've got in that time period. But the places he could go and the other people he could interact with are a goldmine of coolness potential for this series. Obviously the Obi-Wan series is going to be amazing. Obi-Wan is a known character. He is a Jedi. He's one of them he's one of the best, most important, powerful Jedi that we have seen in the entire existence of Star Wars. So getting a show about him hopefully coming in 2022, getting a show about him on Tatooine, protecting Luke, perhaps having another confrontation with Vader, perhaps dealing with, you know, the Hut Syndicate on Tatooine, perhaps having to leave Tatooine for one reason or another, maybe interacting with Ahsoka or other people from the Clone Wars era. Again, huge potential for really, really cool ideas that they could dive into. What we're most likely also going to get in 2022 is a... will be our next Star Wars movie. I really hope 
that that is the soonest we get another one. I really think they need to take a break from movies. If 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 they had announced, you know, a year ago that there was a movie coming out in 2020 and they then released The Rise of Skywalker, everyone, it would just be a repeat of The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi came out, then Solo came out six months later and no one went and saw Solo because no one wanted to see a Star Wars movie. They need to give themselves a second to breathe. They need to take a couple of years without any movies, just focus on the TV, let everyone sort of forget the general disappointment with this Disney trilogy, the sequel trilogy, and then dive into a completely untouched time period of Star Wars with new creative talent. What we are probably going to get is either the start of the Ryan Johnson trilogy. Ryan Johnson directed The Last Jedi and they were so happy with what he did that they've given him a trilogy of movies. We don't know when those are going to be set, but they're going to come at some point. So the first of his movies could be what we get in 2022. Another rumor that's going around is that Kevin Feige is going to produce a Star Wars movie. Kevin Feige is the current creative head of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So he is the man who is responsible for the brilliant interconnection style storytelling of all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Iron Man, Captain America, Spider-Man, Black Panther, Thor, all of those all coming together. That's all because of him. So the idea of him taking the helm of a Star Wars movie is very, very exciting indeed. So that is another possibility for a movie that we could get. If we're going to get a movie in 2022, they will announce it this year at some point. They were supposed to announce their next movie in January, but as far as I know, unless I miss something, they haven't done it yet. So I think they've figured out what I already know, which is that they need to just slow down, let everyone just take a breath, let everyone digest Rise of Skywalker and move on from whatever thoughts they have about it before they start announcing another movie. Either of those two options would be really great. I'd be happy with either of them. There's lots of other options that they could explore for some to direct another movie. Excuse me, my voice is going very quickly. I'll wrap this up soon. Like, imagine a Taika Waititi directed Star Wars movie. That could be a lot of fun if they want to try and bring some life back into the Star Wars film franchise. He would be a good guy to do it. Do a Thor Ragnarok style Star Wars movie. That'd be a ball. Oh, I've got to take another sip of water. I'm dying. Another guy who I would love to see direct this next Star Wars movie is Dave Filoni. This is a guy who's done his time as a Star Wars creator. He is the man behind the Clone Wars series and 
Rebels, right, which is some of the absolute best Star Wars content we have ever gotten. I seriously recommend, if you've got Disney+, Plus, go and give them both a watch, because they are magnificent. If you're even like a little bit interested in Star Wars, and you want to see just any more, if like if your appetite is just a little bit wet, and you're like, oh, I'd really like to dive into this a little bit more, go and watch Clone Wars, and go and watch Rebels, because they are such high-quality TV. It is remarkable. And he is the man behind them both. So I would love to see Dave Filoni get his chance to direct. Give him an enormous budget. And just see him direct the shit out of a Star Wars movie. All of these potential Star Wars movies, it is pretty likely, are going to be set in the time of the Old Republic. Which will probably be around a thousand years before the Skywalker Saga. I hope it's at least a thousand years before, because then they won't be tempted to put a young Yoda in. They won't, like a child Yoda, teenage Yoda, whatever. Because he's 900 years old in the Skywalker saga, right? If they go back more than a thousand years, they will be forced to give us characters that no one has ever seen. They will be forced to start fresh. And give us original characters with original stories that no one has any ties to. Which I think is the best way for them to go. They give us a new story with new characters. Something new we can invest in. But they won't have to worry about people not being happy with how they've treated R2-D2 or Chewbacca or Luke Skywalker or whatever. Give us a whole litany of new characters to care about. Start fresh would be my recommendation. So yeah, that is why this year is so important for Lucasfilm and for Disney and for Star Wars. The level of disenfranchisement with the Star Wars movie saga specifically is growing and they are in a little bit of trouble if they can't wrestle it back. They're going to most likely keep nailing all the TV show stuff, which is good. That'll keep people liking them. But they need to announce films coming up with new ideas, new creators. They're going to get people excited. They have to do that this year or they're going to be in serious, serious trouble. All right. That's all I've got to say about this topic for the moment. Sorry my voice kept going throughout that whole thing. This has been a very long one. This might be my longest one ever. We'll have to see what we, what the, what the final runtime ends up at. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be lots of AFL ones in the lead up to the season, which starts next month. Very, very exciting time of year for me specifically. <laughs> So yeah, we're doing a few footy podcasts coming up, so get excited for those. All right, thanks so much for listening, guys. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye, see you.